Good morning. We are so glad that you have joined us this morning. We hope that your, your celebrations during the holiday season with family and friends have been wonderful. We are excited to have you here this morning and just wanted to say thank you for taking time out of your Sunday morning to join us. Good morning. It's a new year and we're going to sing some new songs. As a guy, we're going to teach you a new song this morning uh, that I think you're really going to enjoy. And we got a new series that we're starting today as well. So uh, it's a good morning. It's a good Sunday to be worshiping here with you. Uh, of course, we're online only this week. We'll be back in person next week and also online next week as well. And we just want to invite you just to continue singing, continue worshiping God into this new year. God's going to do some amazing things through Crosspoint in 2021, and we want you to be a part of it. We want you to be here for it, uh, experiencing God as we get to see him move. And so this is the start of that. As we sing in our living rooms together at the same time online, uh, we are worshiping God and welcoming him in to our church for this year. So uh, would you join me in singing? The words will be on the screen down at the bottom, and you'll be able to sing these songs with me. Let's sing to God and give him the praise that he's due and welcome him into this new year. Uh, he is strong to save. We have no reason to fear. He is our God. Let's sing to him. set us free from our captivity your hand is strong to save you split the raging sea you crush our enemies your hand is strong to save the Lord our God is mighty His hand upholds us through our trials. Our God is strong to save. Here in this desert place, we're carried by your grace. Your hand is strong to save. And when in the promised land we'll see your perfect plan, your hand is strong to save. The Lord our God is mighty in battle. We are not afraid. His hand upholds us through our trials. Our God is strong to save above all death, above all life, above the battles that we fight, above any other name. Our God is strong to save above the heavens and the earth, above the rulers of this world, above any other name. Our God is strong to save. The Lord our God is mighty in battle. We are not afraid. 
His hand upholds us through our trials. Our God is strong to save above all death, above all life, above the battles that we fight, above any other name. Our God is strong to save above the heavens and the earth, above the rulers of this world, above any other name. Our God is strong to save. And He's conquered it all. Worthy of praise. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Yes. My God will never fail. My God will never fail. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Every war he wages, he will win. So I'm not backing down from any giant, no. Because I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how this story ends. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy you turn it for good. You turn it for good. 
take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord it's his I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord you take you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you're taking our battles lord making them your own fighting for us amen he is lord Christ has changed my life. It's a true statement for me, and hopefully it's a true statement for you, but it's not a completed statement. You see, as we go throughout our life, as we're working towards the perfection of our faith, Christ is constantly changing us, making us better, hopefully affecting the way that we live. The fact of the matter is we cannot know Christ and live lives unaffected by who he is. Over the next seven weeks, we are going to be looking at the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians is all about how Christ should affect the way that we live our lives. And I hope by the end of this, you'll see all that Christ has done and who Christ is and let that affect the way that you live on a day-to-day basis. Now, as we start to, to look at the book of Colossians, just a little bit of background about it. It's one of the Apostle Paul's letters. He wrote the letter of Colossians to the, church in the, to the Colossian church. Uh, during his first stint in prison, A.D. 60 to 61. And the letters are in response to uh, a message that got back to him about what was happening inside of the church. You see, they were allowing heretical teachings to infiltrate the church, mainly that Jesus wasn't God. And they, they had elevated angels above Jesus, and they were participating in angel worship, but they were looking at Jesus as just a man. And for Paul, that was unacceptable. He needed them to know that Christ was the perfect, visible representation of God. And so the book of Colossians is a response to that. The entirety of the letter points to Jesus' preeminence, the idea that he is superior to all things. So let's go ahead and dive in. Today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 15 through 23, and we're going to start with verses 15 and 16, which say, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and by him and for him. I'm sorry. What Paul's ultimately trying to make clear here is that Jesus isn't a copy of a copy. Rather, he is the perfect representation of God, a pristine image of who God is. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Above and beyond that, he's over all creation. Paul makes special note here to to let everyone know that Jesus was the 
firstborn of creation. This is more than just saying that he was there before creation. It means that he had firstborn rights. Basically, he was an extension of the Father. And his authority was the extension of God the Father's authority. God extended his authority to him, and through Jesus, everything was created. If God was the source of the power, Jesus was the craftsman. And, and as the craftsman, he created all things, not just what you can see, not, not just the waters and solid ground, not just the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea, the trees, the clouds, the water cycle, photosynthesis. He created tangible things, things we can hold, things we can see, things that, that we can watch and see play out. But he also created ideas and constructs not physically seen. He put into place rulers and kingdoms and powers. He created good and allows evil. Understanding this should lead us to appreciate life's state of affairs. I'm going to say that again. Understanding all this about who Jesus was, the fact that, that he is the pristine representation of God, the fact that he has God's authority, and, and, and through that created all things, should allow us to appreciate life's current state of affairs. And I say that as an, on an individual basis. Each and every one of us are going through uh, unique situations that are unique to ourselves. And we're going through situations right now that we're all kind of having to try to wrestle with, with, with the COVID and the election stuff. And just our world right now is a bit chaotic. And we're all trying to navigate that the best way that we possibly can. We need to understand that, that God has created all things. And at the very least, if a situation faced isn't brought on by him, it's happening because he has allowed it to be so. Now the world looks at that and they look at our God and they say that, that our God lacks love because sin has run rampant in our world and caused a lot of destruction and heartache. But it's God's love that allows for our destructive ways, our sin, the things that, that we have done wrong, to still be used for good. God has allowed evil to bring about life-giving outcomes. That's because of Jesus' preeminence and his power and his authority and his superiority, his superiority over all things. And, and Paul's wanting the church and Colossus, to see that, to understand that Jesus has this power and as such should be seen as God. In Genesis 50, 20, Joseph is talking to his brothers and he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done now, the saving of many lives. Quick overview of the story of Joseph, right? He, his brothers are jealous of him because he's his father's favorite. They sell him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt. He gets to where he can interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. Pharaoh puts him in a high place and a high standing. Joseph lets him know that, hey, this latest dream that you've had means that there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine, and we've got to prepare for that, and we've got to store up food so that during that famine we can feed our people. And, and Pharaoh sets him out, and he, he puts him in a place to be able to do this. And through that, Joseph saved many, many, many lives. And his brothers come before him because they are lacking food, and they're, they're wanting to take grain back to their household and, and to their father. And Joseph says to them, listen, you intended to harm me. You sold me into slavery. You wanted my life 
to be bad. But God used that evil. God used my heartache. God used my fear. God used this entire situation to bring about good. And he can do that for you as well. We all face things in life that we do not like. And I'm, I'm not saying that you have to like them. I'm not saying that you have to allow yourself to stay in a dark place. But what I am saying is that we should learn to appreciate life's state of affairs and look to see how God can bring about good through them and how we can learn from them. We have to stop viewing situations as punishments. I want you to hear me on this because it's very important. We have to stop viewing life's situation as punishments and start seeing them as lessons. Because even in bad things, God can teach us and bring about good. And the only way to profit from all of life's occurrences is to keep Christ at the forefront. He needs to be at the front of everything you do, of every decision you make. Looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, Paul in his writing says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn, there's that word again, from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. See, Christ is before all things. Again, he has, he has God's authority and God's power. He's the firstborn. Part of the benefit of his standing is the ability to sustain us through all things, which means that when you are struggling through life's current state of affairs, he's not going to leave you to it all by yourself. He's going to sustain you through your trials and your temptations. Now that's conditional on one thing. We don't talk about a lot of conditions in our faith, and we'll talk about it at the end. It's conditional on one thing, holding true to our faith and, and, and staying and sticking with, so to speak, Jesus, even through the tough times. Do not, another important thing I feel like I'm about to say, do not let your affection for Christ and for your faith teeter on the joy of your current circumstance. I'm going to say that one more time. Do not let your affection for Christ and for your faith teeter on the joy of your circumstance. Things are going really well right now, so me and Christ are good. I'm strong in my faith. Oh, things aren't going so good anymore, so I'm going to kind of withdraw from my faith and withdraw from Christ, and I feel like I'm being punished, and, and God's harming me, and God's forgotten about me, and God doesn't love me. No, 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 no. We can't let the, the hills and the valleys affect our love for Christ because he has not left us alone in our circumstance. Christ, being first in all things, he was the first to rise from death with an immortal body. This is important. Hebrews 2.14 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds power of death. That is the devil. Paul throws this in there to show the extent 
of Christ's preeminence, his superiority. You see, not only is he firstborn in all things, not only was he there to create the world, but he's also there to conquer death. Creation, this brand new life, and death, what was before Jesus looked at as the end, is no longer the end. Because Christ rose out of that death with an immortal body. And he has superiority over literally all things, from creation to death. And if Christ is first in all things, then Paul's making it clear that he's got to be first in our life as well. Priority number one. Nothing can be before him. Deuteronomy 5, 8 and 9. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Do not create for yourself an idol of any form. Notice the important thing in this passage is that he says anything, anything. Do not create for yourself an image in the form of anything. You see, whatever we take in our lives and we place before our relationship with Jesus is an idol. Whether that be your job or your comfort or your desire to relax on a Sunday morning so I'm not going to go to church or your finances or your relationships with people, anything can become an idol. And we are to have none before him because at the end of the day, Christ is our reconciliation. Colossians 1, 19 through 22. For God was pleased, this is so cool, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, meaning Jesus. God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. God was pleased to have the entirety of himself dwell inside of Jesus. And through him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Once you were alienated from God, said that word weird, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, but now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. I don't know about you, but I haven't been without blemish for a really, 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 really long time. I think I maybe came out of the womb already a sinner thanks to the pain I probably caused my mom. But that was probably the, the most perfect I've ever been. A sweet little eight pound, six ounce, maybe somewhat chubby baby Paul. And then from then on, blemished. I've just been blemished. But Christ, being our reconciliation, presents us in front of, in front of God absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. There's no best if used by date on us. Right? We are absolutely perfect before God. And Christ, 
He did that for us. Understanding the magnitude of the statement in verse 19 knocked me on my butt this week. It just did. The fullness of God dwells in Jesus. And the Colossian church, they needed to hear this. Because again, they were looking at Jesus as just a man. They had elevated the angels above him. They were participating in angel worship. And and they looked at Jesus as a great teacher, maybe a prophet, but not the son of God. And Paul is making it absolutely clear here. You need to understand that the fullness of God is in Jesus. Again, he's not a copy of a copy. He's not even a copy. He is God. God's fullness rests within him. It's the confirmation that Jesus, yes, is fully God, which means that within Christ is the fullness of God's power, his knowledge, and his character, and his ability to reconcile us through the cross back to God. Hebrews 1.13 says, To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet? The answer, if you didn't know, was none of them. These words were only uttered about Jesus. And one such enemy of Jesus was death. And Jesus was able to conquer all of that. And by doing so, he's able to conquer death for us as well. And because he has the fullness of God within him, we need nothing else. We need absolutely nothing else. We should be the enemies of God and Christ. But in his ultimate power, Christ has reconciled us and has completed a fulfilled act. Once we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, even though he is not done changing us, even though he's not done perfecting us, even though he's not moving us and progressing us towards a better us, we are at that point reconciled, presented before God without blemish and accusation, perfect, even though we are not perfect. Christ deserves our absolute loyalty. And we give him that loyalty when we stand firm on the teachings of Jesus. When we hold to our faith. Colossians 1.23, if you continue in your faith, again, Paul said all these things and then he continues to speak to them. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and which I, Paul, have become a servant. Right? Here's that conditional statement we talked about. Paul is saying, look at all of these things that you get to experience, this reconciliation that Christ is providing for you. You get to experience the fullness of God if... If we continue in our faith, that experience is guaranteed to you. Our life with Christ boils down to a series of choices, a crossroads really. We choose Christ's way or we choose our own way. We choose Christ or we choose the other thing, whatever that other thing may be. And we choose Christ by standing firm on biblical teachings. Within our faith, like throughout our, 
the rest of our society, and this may be the biggest indictment on the church because we are seeing the same battle that we see in society raging within our church when those two things should be completely separate. But within our world, we are seeing this battle between people's feelings and the truth. Between people's feelings and the truth. There's a political pundit out there, and I'm not, I think he's a smart guy, but I I don't care about his politics, but he has a statement that he's made famous that I frankly agree with. And the fact of the matter is, it's this. Facts don't care about your feelings. Facts don't care about your feelings. And I'm here to tell you today that Scripture doesn't care about your feelings. I know that stings a little bit. I know that's a little bit painful. But the truth is the only thing that's going to set us free. And we have to stand firm to the teachings that we find in the Bible because sometimes our feelings don't mesh with Scripture. They don't mesh with the truth. Even when we want them to, even when it hurts. But it's important that we stay true to the gospel, that we stay true to God's word. Because that's the only thing that's going to get us through to the end. To where we can experience the fullness of God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Jesus tells us in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's the message of the gospel. That's the truth that we have to cling to. That's the truth that the Colossian church lost. There's only one outcome from sin. It's death. But Jesus, having the fullness of God, was able to reconcile us to God so that we don't have to experience the outcome of sin. Instead, God's gift is eternal life. The only way we get it, the absolute only way we get there is through Jesus. He is the way, finite, the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. That's it. There's one way. Doesn't matter if you want there to be more than one way. Doesn't matter if you hear teachings that there is more than one way. Scripture makes it clear. Don't listen to false teachers. Don't listen to heresy. Understand that Scripture is all you need. And it makes it abundantly clear. We cannot sway from this message. But like Paul, we have to become a servant to it. It's the only hope that we have to make it through a fallen world. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
in Jesus, superiority, we ask these things. Amen. Suddenly articulate With a thousand tongues to lift one cry Then from north to south And east to west We'd hear Christ be magnified Were the from sea and sky from rivers to the mountain tops we'd hear Christ be magnified oh Christ be magnified let his praise arise Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. In my life, Lord, when every creature finds its inmost melody, Every human heart its native cry. Oh, then in one and in raptured hymn of praise, we hear Christ be magnified. Oh, be lifted high, Jesus. Oh, Christ be magnified. Rise, Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. I think the challenge for us in this new year in 2021 is to put Christ first, to put him above all things, to not bow down to idols, to not bow down to the things of this world that would uh, to try to take his place, but to uh, focus on him and to, uh, to let him guide our every action, guide our entire lives. Would you sing this with me? Sing it to him. I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I rejoice because they're there too. I won't be for my feelings. I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Because death is just the doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your suffering, 
and I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing and my song will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified for the altar of my life. Christ be prayer, Lord. Amen. I'm going to teach you a new song this morning. Uh, it's a song I've been uh, wanting to teach for a while, and I know that a lot of the band members like it as well. It's, it's something we want, want you to, to sing and make part of your your lexicon of worship for for God, and so uh, it's a song called "Graves in the Gardens." I think it'll be kind of a, a theme for this series. If um, um, if if the band will will play it throughout the rest of the series, I hope they will. Um, I think it's a, a song that um, really speaks to us where we are and and where I, f- I feel like a lot of people feel in this world, which is that we're just under attack. And and Paul kind of talked about that during the message this morning. Is um, you know, things don't seem right uh, with ourselves, with the, with the world, and and, God, and yet we serve a God that can take our graves and turn them into gardens. He can take our dust and turn them into beauty. And um, this song talks about that, um, how we can search the world for the things that can satisfy, but only God can satisfy. And so uh, let's sing uh, this together. If you know it, sing out with me uh, and hope you learned it this morning. It's called Graves in the Gardens. search the world but it couldn't fill me man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough and you came along and put me back together Every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. To show you my weakness, my failures and flaws, Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. I believe it. 
There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Find us again, Lord. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. You turn mourning to dancing. You turn beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only turn graves into gardens, you turn bones into armies, you turn seas into highways, you're the only one who can, you're the only one who can, oh there's nothing There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Sing this again. There's nothing better. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. Lord, the only one who can. You're the only one who things and more. Amen. Would you sing one more song with me this morning before we um, cut out of here? Um, I wanted to um, focus on uh, just praising him. Uh, I, I want this year to be a year of praise, not just for myself, but for Crosspoint, that we never stop praising no matter what the world throws our way. We continue uh, the world will not be able to stop us from praising God. And, and if we stop, the rocks will, cries out, will cry out. We will sing to him even in the lowest valleys. Um, and so you may feel like you're there now. You may feel like maybe you're coming out of that or going into a valley, but we can sing through that. We can sing in the midst of that. So I want us to sing uh, this song just to remind us of that, that this year will be marked by praise.
same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will. I count one thing, the same God that never fails will not fail me won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out for our good. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will. I'll choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. And nothing can stand against. I choose to praise, to glorify. Glorify the name of all names. Nothing can stand against. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will. Thank you for joining us today. We will be back in person next week, but we will also remain online as well. We pray that you'll join us once again. You have a great week, and we are praying for blessing for you and your family in 2021.